Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. You can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our Facebook, YouTube, and podcast channels. Consider hitting like or subscribe. Consider sharing this sermon with others. It helps us to reach more people like you. We are so thankful to those who support our ministry. You can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give. In the name of our loving, life-giving, liberating God, amen. Please. The ancient rabbis taught that when you walk through Jerusalem, you actually pass through two cities with every step. There's an earthly Jerusalem and a heavenly Jerusalem. And the spiritual Jerusalem, the heavenly city promised by God, it hovers just inches above the city streets of the earthly Jerusalem. This Jerusalem of prophecy, the Jerusalem that might be, is just beyond reach. And the earthly task, the rabbis say, of good Jewish people, and we might add good Christians as well, is to bring the two cities closer The task of faith is to build up those city streets, to raise up the earthly until it reaches the holy. And today we hear frustration in the voice of our rabbi, Jesus. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets. The very voices that tell us of the possibilities of the heavenly city are silenced by the powerful in the earthly city. And today we are perhaps particularly aware of the power of humans to tear down. Images of the Ukrainian hospitals and streets reduced to rubble by Russian forces have dominated the news. You'll hear in the sermon, I, I don't minimize the pain of what is happening to the Ukrainian people. But I do have to note that the coverage of this war seems significantly more intensive when compared to the coverage of violence in Afghanistan, the Middle East, Africa, Latin America? Does the whiteness of the victims play in the volume of coverage? Does the fact that it is Russia acting as the aggressor, does Russian war in Europe stir up old trauma? And such questions are definitely beyond my pay grade, beyond my expertise. But suffice it to say for today, Violence is too common in our world. Cities are too often torn down. The distance between the heavenly city and the earthly feels like it is being deepened rather than bridged. Jesus doesn't often lament in the Gospels. More often, Jesus inspires, tells stories, prods, encourages. And this moment is one of the few when the Gospels that we get a glimpse of this side of Christ's full humanity. Jesus laments over Jerusalem, and he gives us this surprising image. He says, How I have longed to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks. The word's feminine, and that was uncharacteristic of Jesus' time. Male teachers did not often use female pronouns, female images for themselves or for God. In recent centuries, some of this old phobia of Jesus' own time has returned. Some church leaders are loath 
to use feminine imagery for God. It has not always been this way. In the central apse of the great cathedral of Kiev is the figure of Sophia, holy wisdom, in stunning mosaic. Ukraine's great national church is dedicated in her honor. Like the Byzantines of Constantinople, the builders of the Hagia Sophia Basilica, the largest building in the world for like a thousand years, the Ukrainians took cues from the Hebrew Bible. They named their church Sophia. In the Bible, divine wisdom is personified with feminine pronouns. In Proverbs, she walks through the marketplace. Sophia, wisdom, is with the humble. Sophia, wisdom, is with those who take advice. The Orthodox, they built Kiev's cathedral more than a thousand years ago and dedicated it to God known through Sophia, wisdom. And so she stands in brilliant blue in a field of shimmering gold. Beautiful Sophia, her arms in the Oran's position as a priest above the altar. Sophia prays for the peace of the Ukrainian people, extending her disarmed blessing as she has for countless generations. Thomas Merton, the monk of the last century, wrote a poem he titled Hagia Sophia, Holy Wisdom, said this, Sophia is the mercy of God in us. She is tenderness. She is the tenderness with which the infinitely mysterious power of pardon turns the darkness of our sins into the light of grace. She is the inexhaustible fountain of kindness and would almost seem to be in herself all mercy. So she does in us a greater work than that of creation, the work of new being in grace, the work of pardon, the work of transformation from brightness to brightness, tam quam adomini spiritu, she is in us the yielding and tender counterpart of the power, justice, and creative dynamism of the Father. How often have I wanted to gather your people just as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you didn't want that. I know many of us these days feel like we are searching for wisdom amidst the strife as people are fleeing, dying, starving, freezing in what feels like such a far-off place, we're looking for mercy, for the tenderness of God amidst the cruelty of men. What is there to do? If you'll take a word of advice from a preacher, first, remember that lament is a continuous thread in the Bible. Lament is always available. Abram today laments to God, complains to God. How will the promise be fulfilled if no child has been born? God meets Abram in the lament, takes him out under the vast, dark desert sky. Look up, Abram. Your descendants will still be like the stars. Lament is even known to Jesus. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets. 
In just a few short weeks, Jesus will process into Jerusalem. We will wave palms as the crowd waved branches on the Mount of Olives. Powerless to stop the violence ahead, we will shout Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the Lord's name. This is the paradox of our faith. God chose helplessness. God chose to stand with the weak, with the vulnerable. God is in Kiev now, in Mariupol, just as God is in Darfur, in San Salvador, in Kabul, in Gaza. God chooses vulnerability. God chooses to try and gather us like chicks under her wings, yet we resist. In times of war, it can be tempting for us to look for a warring God. We want the archangels to lead the charge with flaming swords against injustice, and we want God to intervene in some dramatic way to punish the oppressors. In this, we are not so unlike the soldiers and bystanders who looked upon Jesus on the cross and taunted, if you are God's son, come down. Save yourself if you are the Messiah. The words of human at the, humans at the cross miss. God didn't come to save God's self from violence. God came to save us. The power of God doesn't look like retributive violence. God's power is in surrender for the sake of love. God chooses accompaniment. God chooses solidarity with all those crucified by poverty, by injustice, by war. We keep asking, what can we do? The answer is, is the same as it ever was. Accompany the victims. Stand with those who suffer. Donate, yes. Pay $5 a gallon for gasoline. Also pray, lament, open your frustration, your sadness, your helplessness to the God who chose to be helpless for our sake. And tonight, some of us are going to gather here at the church again at 5 p.m., organized by one of our young adults during a service for the Ukraine. We're going to pray the Great Litany, a long and ancient prayer the prayer book tells us this about the litany. It is to especially be prayed in, quote, times of war or of national anxiety or of disaster. How well does that rubric describe our time? In these days when so much renders us speechless, we have liturgy with plenty of words. We will say again and again, we beseech thee to hear us, good Lord. Lament often asks God to hear, and the response can be stunning. Those rabbis who taught about the heavenly city hovering just inches above the earthly Jerusalem, they wrote in the second or third century. Just a few decades earlier, in 70 AD, the emperor Vespasian's own son Titus ordered the entire Roman army to storm Jerusalem. Thousands who had barricaded themselves inside the city walls were slaughtered. When the smoke cleared, 
The ruins of the temple were there. The temple, the dwelling place of God on earth, was no more. The city, so glorious under Herod, the temple so admired by the disciples, one of the wonders of the ancient world was a smoldering ruin, a garbage heap. And yet, the rabbis taught, even when you walked on Jerusalem's ruined streets, you were just inches from the heavenly city. The work of faithful people is never to lose sight of the justice, hope, the fullness of life that can be. We pray. We seek out and stand with the lost, the least, and the left out. We ask forgiveness. We soothe the suffering. We pity the afflicted. We hold the hands of the dying. We gather together with those who mourn. We shield the joyous. We build up inch by inch until our streets are just a little closer. We build up a city where hunger and fear and injustice are less present. We continue to stretch ourselves until the violence of the human city gives way to the love of God's city. Even today it waits, mere inches away. Amen.